Well, hello, friends. Ryan here, professional life coach, Enneagram educator, and your host for this episode of Forward Bound with the Enneagram. You know, the Enneagram is a powerful tool for building understanding, compassion, and achieving growth in our lives, grounded by nine types or ways that our personalities and egos are structured. The conversations in this podcast are designed to illuminate the Enneagram in action by hearing directly from individuals who are working with the Enneagram and their type in their lives. The views reflected in these conversations are personal, and so what one person shares may not be true for all others who identify as their particular Enneagram type, and that's okay. My encouragement, listen with compassionate curiosity. Thanks for being with us. So today we are delving into the world of Enneagram type eight, often referred to as the protector. And my guest today is my friend Miley, who identifies as an Enneagram type eight. I want to welcome Miley. Thank you so much. And yes, I am definitely an eight. Um, <laughs> but there was some questioning in the beginning, but no, it's okay. <laughs> okay, good. Well, we'll get into some of that questioning as we get into the conversation. Um, Miley, I want to really quickly get into that conversation with you and about your experience as a type eight. But if it's okay with you, I'd first like to just start by offering our friends who are listening a little bit of an overview and grounding of the type. Does that work for you? That works for me just fine because I might need a refresher and be like, oh. oh. Let's take a look together at Enneagram type eight, often referred to as the protector. We start by looking at the instinctual center of intelligence for the type. This could be heart, head, or body. As a body center type, the type 8 leads with this sense of strength and ability, a physical embodiment that is instinctual, arising from their gut center. For type 8, this is about the core of the body as a fueling station for action and generating results. The protector embodies a worldview that is about meeting the world head-on. They see the world as a tough place, the unfolding of events, people, and situations as something that could take away our power or create unfavorable conditions. Type 8s often wrestle with feelings around guilt, this notion that something is fundamentally wrong and that someone or something is to blame. A belief system develops for type 8, the sense that by showing and exerting strength and power, protection of self and others can be assured, and that positive regard will follow. That by personally taking action, whatever is missing can be restored, or whatever is wrong or about to go wrong can be resolved. And so, two primary driving attentions emerge for type 8. We'll refer to those as anger and lust. First, let's look at anger. This is not necessarily an externally focused or aggressive position, but rather this heated internal response at whatever the protector perceives needs to be addressed. For the protector, this is often about injustice, unfairness, deceit, or manipulation, either of themselves or others, especially those who are innocent or weak. 
While they're driven by this internal fire, Type 8s can present in myriad ways, ranging from warm and friendly to direct, intimidating, and confrontational. The results they generate ranging from inspirational justice to personal revenge. And now let's look at lust. In short, it is this notion that the fire never seems to burn out, this insatiable appetite for intensity, stimulation, and power. For type 8, it is often all or nothing, and the energy can show up as my way or the highway. The protector is drawn to high-impact situations, willing to take bold action to get the desired results. Now we look at what we call the virtue for the type, this highest expression of their potential. Think of it as keeping all the gifts for the type, and then also uncovering or remembering a piece of truth that has been forgotten along the way. For type 8, we refer to the virtue as innocence, a state of being that is unencumbered by fear, anger, or self-doubt, a quality of open-heartedness, trust even. The work here about becoming vulnerable with their own places of weakness, or even erasing the duality between strong and weak altogether. Type 8s are supported in doing this work by remembering and believing with comfort and confidence the holy truth, that all is unfolding in a natural way according to a natural plan, without the need to exert control or strength to fix it. So... I think it's important just to reiterate, this is just a place for us to start. Um, you know, Miley, you, I, I, some of this was resonating, other pieces of it may not have. Ultimately, what we really want to turn to is hearing and honoring and prioritizing what your experience is. And I'm just thrilled that you're here today to share some of those insights and your experience. Well, thank you so much. Actually, you were talking about, I'm, I'm sitting here shaking my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> you know, you start delving into things and I'm just kind of like, okay, let me take a step back and let me like really analyze this and how I react to things. And I'm like, yeah, that's that kind of spot on. Yes. That's, that's, that's great. And, and you're right as an eight, you know, we do seek out, like you said, we seek, we seek maybe not necessarily conflict out. Um, but we do seek that always do I just, yeah, there's so much that we can, we can talk about and we have so little time and. Ah, well, that's, Hey, all good. <laughs> all good. Um, so if you would, maybe let's just start. I'd love to hear in your words, like what is your favorite thing about being a type eight? Gosh. Um, I love the fact that the type eight is called the protector. Um, that right there just resonates so much with me. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's that word. It gives like protector. It's, it's strength, but it's also compassion and gentleness. It's mm. masculine word, but also a feminine word. It is just mm. so much to it. And, and that's, I think what I love about that is, is that it's known as protector. And then as I look, back on my actions or 
some of the things that I get myself involved with both, you know, occupationally or socially, it's kind of almost around that title of protector. Um, Now, you know, some people might think, oh, protection all the time. And, and I, what I noticed about myself as an eight is I do about 80% protection Mm. for others. Those that are closest to me or my acquaintances, I will protect them versus 20% I protect myself. Myself, I feel like I take a step back when it comes to that. And it's more of a a more passively protection of self versus when I do it for for others. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I love this like percentage, you know, way of thinking about things. And you mentioned earlier that these terms strength and compassion both really resonate as you think about your role and your, and your identity as a protector. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the breakdown as you're thinking about strength and compassion? Like how do those things play out for you? So with strength, I look at it in so many different ways. It's not necessarily physical strength, like being able to pick up a car if somebody's trapped under it. (laughs) I mean, just you know, we have so many different versions of strength, but it's more of like the internal strength of not giving up, perseverance of of continuing through, of Mm -hmm. supporting that friend. For example, we all have those friends who, you know, they're in a romantic relationship and they break up, which it is a good breakup. And you're like, oh my gosh, you need to stay away from that person. (laughs) They end up going back to them and you're just like, okay, I'm going to be strong for you because you are making the wrong decision, but that's okay. It's your decision. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then when it comes to compassion, it's compassion to to, for your own, for myself, I'm giving myself more grace, more compassion. Maybe I do more compassion for myself than for others because it is a, like, I can only give you so much strength and and I'm going to stand behind you and I'm going to back you up. Mm -hmm. I'm just being stupid. And my okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's a yeah. limit to the compassion. There's a limit. There's a limit just because when I give compassion, I give my heart. Yeah. So yeah. I can only give so much of my heart before I have. Yeah. How limited is the like strength side of this equation? Oh, I can go on and on. Like if you okay. are one of my besties, like yeah. I will just, I will, I will, I will be yeah. there. To the point where it's annoying, where I'm like, why are you doing this? Do you remember this? Did you <laughs> remember what you told me? And it, yeah. can, be, it can be very off-putting for some people because yeah. they want to wash your hands of it and, you know, it's water under the bridge. And I'm like, no, no. Do you remember what they did? Do you remember what this? Do you remember how right. they make a deal? Now, I will say that when that mistake has been repeated, I don't, I'm not there shaking my finger saying, I told you so. Mm-hmm. It is Okay, we're going to get through this. Let's okay. let's forward. What? And again, it goes back to the action. What right. action items can we do to help you in this situation? Again, yeah. whether that's a, you know break a, a breakup or you were thinking about quitting your job or starting something new. It is a okay. Let's look logically. What steps can we take to yeah. move forward? in a, what I as an eight would consider a good direction. Yeah. And I, so I hear this, like a real sense of like what the right decision is for folks to make. And, 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 but then, and there, and there being this enormous amount of strength that comes out of that. And this almost like will for folks to, to do the right thing. But for folks who you care about, what I'm also hearing is like, if they choose a different path, there's not a holding on to that, like a grudge. It's like, okay, bam, then I'm right here with you. And it's like, what are we going to do about it next? Exactly. Exactly. Nice. And that's, and that's where, that's where 
that's where I feel like my inner strength comes in. It is that I'm going to be here for you regardless of the mistakes you make. Now, granted, there are times when, and very few where I have had to cut friends because it was not a healthy situation for either one of us. Okay. And so I have to say, again, it's very rare, like few and far between, but it is a, I need to let you go and experience this on your own. Yeah. But I'm still here for you. Yeah. It's not going to be as uh, involved as I normally would. I just, because I can't do this myself. Yeah. Can I offer um, one of the like things that I feel when I'm around an eight? I'm just curious, like how you might respond to it whenever I say it. Mm-hmm. I feel so safe. Mm. Like I feel, I mean, I don't want to overuse the word protected, which I just about did, but it's like, I, I, I want an eight on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that land on you? I love it. I, yeah. for me, that's like the biggest probably biggest compliment somebody could tell me is, Mm. you know, I like being around you. You give me a sense of comfort. You give me a Mm. sense of almost as like, you give me a sense of place as well. Mm. You give me a safe space to, to be in. And um, I think, I think that's why when people start delving into the Enneagram and they look at their closest friends, they're going to find somebody who is an eight whether or not now we this will probably go down later in the podcast integrated <laughs> eight or not okay things change when you're in that as an eight and you're you're disintegrated and really really low but yeah. i would honestly say i i would be shocked for people with their close group of friends not to have an eight yeah in there. so let's pivot just a little bit i mean we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about gifts for the eight um mm-hmm. i think and which are numerous like there's so many wonderful beautiful ways that eights show up in the world and and make it a truly a better place what have been some of your biggest opportunities to develop as an eight oh gosh i feel like there's so many especially after after going through an enneagram class delving into and doing some soul searching i mean it, mm. it's wonderful because people are like yeah i took this test online and i'm like that's great but until you really are honest with yourself mm-hmm. and you really delve into it, you can't assume you are one thing or another. So for me, after I took that class and I recognized, accepted, and really started understanding how I operate in the world and how the world operates around me, I was able to take that and utilize that. I've done so many things where I feel that, have helped out. For example, you know, I, I worked for several years with a teen leadership development program, educating teens on leadership skills, teaching them leadership skills and, and being with them for that. I was a college chapter director for, um, my, for one of my sorority chapters for eight years. I had a group of, you know, between 30 and 40 women and I helped with the executive board. I captain, I currently captain four tennis teams. It is I feel like I'm going off track from that question. No, no, because yeah, what I hear you say, Mm -hmm. yeah, what I hear you saying is like you developed this understanding of Mm -hmm. things that are your natural gifts Mm -hmm. and you're intentionally seek out ways to utilize them and apply them. Is that? Yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would definitely say that's accurate. It is a, 
it's a recognition of this and then it's it's going out and not necessarily I want to say sh- I get sharing gift it, it's more of a let me utilize what I've learned about myself my best self and sharing that with others and helping them develop themselves as well what about on the flip side like maybe we call it the underbelly but you know in the in the intro I talked a little bit about this idea of lust and anger as being these addictions that sometimes show up for the eight I'm curious how those things resonate for you and if you have if you've looked for ways to really develop in in those areas so when it's funny because I actually wrote that down about like the two driving factors which is lust and anger yeah so lust and I, I know it it's going out for those experiences. Now, the positive side is, you know, I get to share myself with the world because I'm mm-hmm. like, let me let me put it out there, that lust for um, adventure, that lust for leadership. But at the same time, that downside of it, it is I take too much on, my plate overfills, and mm-hmm. I'm drowning. But I will never say it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It kills me to have to be like, I need help raising my hand. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the positive side of lust, the negative side of lust. Yeah. Can we sit with that for just a second, Miley? Like, I'm curious what that experience is for you when you realize I, I've taken on too much. Like, what? It, like, can you go to a experience where you've had that realization? And I'm really curious. Actually, like, I was like there last week. <laughs> oh yeah. So I what does it feel like? like? It feels like I'm underwater. Last week. I'm going back to an example. Last week, both of my supervisors were out at our annual partners meeting. Mm -hmm. I was there out of office for both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, These are two very high producing associates. And the Friday before they left, we had meetings. I had individual meetings. I said, okay, what's coming down the pike? Let me prep for next week. And they're like, you know, everything's fine. You know, it shouldn't be too much trouble. It should be relatively quiet. Mm -hmm. Monday rolls around and I wake up to 125 unread emails in my inbox. Um, I want to do site inspections. I want to do, um, I want these contracts for these hotels. I need these CRFs sent out. I need um, new leads sent out. And I, I was doing the work of, of what felt like four people. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, <laughs> when that happened, I, I, I powered through the work day. Um, and then the following morning, it was Monday, I had a tennis match that Monday. So, you know, I, I work typical hours and then I have 30 minutes before I go and I have a tennis match, a competitive tennis match. And I'm having to do lineups and, and, and making sure that, you know, if we're the home team, that we're bringing snacks to have fellowship afterwards. And all of this is culminating. So on Tuesday, I sat down early in the morning and I did an action plan. Okay. I could, because my, like I said, my superiors, they just, I knew what their schedules were like at the partners meeting. I knew Mm -hmm. they were on limited time and it fell on me to be responsible. Mm -hmm. Do I had a problem with responsibility? No. Love it. I had a problem with, I felt overwhelmed. I felt there was nobody to help me. So what I did is I wrote a list and I said, okay, here's my checklist. Here are the things that I have to get done. And Mm -hmm. that's, that alleviated some of that overwhelming feeling, but not a lot because I had, you know, I had five contracts that I had to redline on top of, I have three site inspections to get taken care of. And I, I have right. all of these things to do. And I, my biggest fear is disappointing people. I don't want to disappoint anybody. 
I cringe on that. And so really every single morning I would write down my new updated list of, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm going. These are the action items that I need to take in order for me not to feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's interesting that like in this sense of overwhelm and being like, what have I gotten myself into? And this list is unreasonably long. What I sense is still it's like, but I'm going to move to action. Correct. Um, yes. and, and it, and, but it's a structured and like, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you've put some planning around it to say, how am I going to accomplish this? Yeah. You know, as opposed to some of our other friends on the Enneagram, different types who might be like, A, I can't do this. I'm backing out or yeah. totally withdraw or others who may call on some other means of assistance outside of themselves. But what you're really reflecting is this like, I'm overwhelmed but I can do it. And here's what I'm going to do. And I'm curious. I I see the affirmative like nod and the smile and that, but I'm really curious and it doesn't have to be about this particular instance, Mm -hmm. but just um, this idea of this feeling of overwhelm and powering through it. Nonetheless, Mm -hmm. can you touch into like, what is the undergirding emotion? Like, what are you really feeling about all of that? Almost despair. Despair. Almost despair. Yeah. The under, like if I were to really dig through it and get to that, get to that, what, what are you, it's despair. It is, Mm. it is is despair of, I can't get this done or I'm not going to be able to do it on in a timely manner. I'm going to, Mm. I'm, this contract is due today. What do I, it's, it is despair. And then it's, can we sit with that for just a minute? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just curious, like you saying out loud, like that there is, because I mean, we talk about this strength, you know, for the eight. And then to hear you say that there is an undergirded emotion that is despair. Like, what does that feel like even just to say that out loud? It almost like, it almost makes me want, honestly, it almost makes me want to cry. Like it just, it, um, it's not it is not a fun admitting it. It's not fun at all. It yeah. is. Yeah. I, I don't like that. And I think it goes back to being an eight. We want to show strength. This is yeah. not showing strength. Yeah. This is, this is lack of strength in self. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not, it's yeah, not that's... fun. It, it's honestly, I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't like it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Miley. I think that that's, I mean, really beautiful insight. So I, I appreciate your willingness to to share that with us. Um, what are some things you think the world misunderstands about the type eight? Like folks who know a little bit about the Enneagram, I think so many times we turn the Enneagram into a parlor game. It's like we, we create caricatures of people and put them in a box. I'm curious, like, what do you think folks misunderstand about the Enneagram type eight? I would, I, I would honestly say the, the, the impression that might come across is, you know, we want to steal the spotlight or mm. we are bullies okay. um, or that it is my way or the highway. Okay. Now, I, now that whole, it's my way or the highway, I will say <laughs> that is, uh, that can be a little accurate in certain situations where yeah. I'm like, no, we have to do it my way. Like I'm telling you, you have uh-huh. to do it. Well, but when does that happen, Miley? Like, when does it become my way or the highway? When, when I have allowed another idea 
to take place and it either is not executed properly or, um, or I am just that disintegrated. Okay. Yeah. In that bad place where I'm like, um, no, I'm not yeah. doing like in almost insubordination, basically. Yeah. But it's like things get out of control and yeah. you're, you're witnessing it happen. And then it's like scar the earth. Oh my gosh. No, we're doing it this way. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, we've, we've tried it. Yeah. Your way, yeah. your way hasn't worked. Yeah. Now, you're, now you are going to do it my way. Yeah. But, but I'm hearing you say that's not your normal approach. It's like, that's whenever everything has fallen apart. Correct. That is, that's when everything's fallen apart. That is, um, it's picking up the pieces, picking mm-hmm. up the pieces. It, it, I, I'll give an example of that where with, with the club that I'm with right now with, the, with tennis, we had this pro and, and I was watching things at, we had this tennis committee and I was watching things just kind of go down the drain. And I'm like, what are, what's happening? Like, here are my <laughs> questions. What, what's going on? And, um, and then thankfully, you know, we, we, were without a pro for a while and COVID hit and I took matters into my own hands. And it, I did, I did, this sounds bad. I did what I wanted to do without asking questions. I said, okay. I'm tired of not having this. We're right. going to start something and I'm going to do it by myself and I'm going to recruit some amazing people and we're going to do it. Yeah. What but, was the result? Well, we grew that tennis program. Um, you know, <laughs> I, it went from me, you know, captaining like one or two teams and now I'm captaining four and we have a very healthy women's program now Yeah. Um, where we're inviting new people. And yeah, I was, I was just, I was tired of not having it. So I was like, I, I watched you guys and you're not doing anything or you're doing things that I feel aren't bringing in the right types of people. And so this is what I'm doing. And, and the situation that you were in, like your actions were embraced. I mean, folks were like, I mean, you've, you've accomplished, it sounds like you, you did that and you've accomplished a lot as a result. Yeah. Yeah. After a while, it's kind of like, I'm done. I'm yeah. done being nice. I'm done asking for permission. I'm yeah. done do it. So I have two questions that are like feelings based about this situation. Like, what does it feel like to be at that place of I'm done? Like what emotion would you associate with I'm done? Oh, that goes to anger. It's like, anger. So like, and, you know, again, going back to like lust and anger, anger is my that is my first emotion I go to. Okay. Very first emotion, yeah. negative emotion that I'll yeah. go to. And where do you feel anger in your body, Miley? Oh, all over. All over. Literally starts at the top of my head and yeah. it just goes down to my toes. Like it, yeah. it is, it is, yeah. it, just, it is almost like a full, yeah. it's just a full being sense yeah. of, especially when it's something that I feel that could have been controlled. Yeah. And like, would, can you give it a color? Like what color is that anger? Oh, like a dark, dark red. Like just Dark red. It's intense. It, very much so. Yeah. It is very yeah. hot, very spicy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even what about a texture for it? Oh, wow. A texture. I would say it's like a smooth texture. Okay. Not rough. It's not bumpy. It is smooth. It is like, okay. if it were to stick your bottom, it would hurt. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to pivot just a little bit. You said something earlier about, you know, when I came to recognize and accept my type as an eight. And I'm curious, just what was that process like for you? Did when you, you know, I, I understand you were in a class, which maybe was part of what helped you. But like, you know, 
was there wrestling on this? Was it something that you really easily and quickly embraced? Like what was your experience? Yeah. So that experience, thankfully it was, it, it was a year long experience that we were in class. It was funny because as we're going through the Enneagram and we're learning it, I was like, I'm a two or I'm an okay. eight. Okay. And so for the longest time, I thought I was a two. I mean, a lot of those things resonated with me and I was like, huh. And then yeah. a lot of the things with the eight resonated with me. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, we in our class, we had about 10 people and we actually had almost one of every single type mm-hmm. in the class. And I was listening to um, to one of my, you know, my peers that were that was part of the class. And and she is a true two. And I looked at her and kind of, I was watching and observing and I'm, th- I'm on the cusp of, I'm a two, I'm an eight mm-hmm. observing her. And I was watching her and observe her in the community. And I was like, no, that is not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's not me whatsoever. And then when I, shared, do you remember what it was about the two that didn't, that in the end didn't resonate? The two is the helper. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more of, it was just, I feel like an eight, you like when an eight walks into a room, like when I walk into a room, depending, this sounds horrible and specific, <laughs> but I feel like when I walk into a room, people know if I'm in a good mood or a bad mood, like that aura that I project out, mm-hmm. people feel it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when an eight walks into a room, yeah. um, whether it's a room full of strangers or it's a room full of friends, yeah, it is, it is nobody is treated differently. You get that, you get that same presence of an eight, but it was, I I don't remember what it was. It's okay. Yeah. We won't, we won't have time to dig into this today, maybe on a future episode, but of course there's a lot of connectivity between the two and the eight. And so for the eight, you know, the two is actually your growth point. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, there's a lot that, would naturally appear really attractive about mm-hmm. the two to the eight. There's almost a yearning for some of that, yeah. um, you know, and vice versa, the eight becomes the stress point or sometimes referred to as the disintegration point for the right. two. And so there's an interconnected relationship that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, we're almost out of time, but I have one more question for you. Yeah, I know time flies. I know. Um, but I'm curious if, you know, if someone listening today works with or lives with someone who they think is an eight, mm-hmm. um, what are a few suggestions, maybe one or two suggestions that you might offer them to, to make the most of that relationship with that person? Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I would say if you're living or working with an eight, as an eight, like when, when we're on a high, when everything is going good and life is grand, mm-hmm. everything is good. Like you'll, you'll be fine. There'll be no, you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. But when we are in that disintegrated, not so good space, don't point mm-hmm. it out. Don't, don't point it out. Don't point it out. Let me figure it out for myself. Let me yeah. come to terms with it. Don't try to offer that. And that's just me yeah. um, that don't try to offer being like, Oh, well you should think about this. Don't tell me that. Yeah. Don't tell me that. Don't don't yeah. tell me. Because you're just not in the place to receive it. No. No. Yeah. No. I think that's beautiful, Miley. And that's one of my biggest hopes with this podcast, honestly, is that folks, you know, will begin, if they're not already, that they'll begin to look at the Enneagram as this like real uh source of compassion for mm-hmm. themselves and for other folks. And so I think that's beautifully said. Like, you know, if you've if you're 
in a what I'm just say back what I heard from you, make sure that that I'm clear on it. It's mm-hmm. like you know if I'm if I'm working or living with someone who I suspect is an eight, and I get this real action oriented and like you know sort of like I'm going to make things happen, and there's this real power, and and it's mm-hmm. and it's getting into a negative space. Like I'm hearing you say. The way to fix that is not to say you're going into a negative space. <laughs> like, yeah. let it, let this, let, let the process, ride. yeah, let yeah. it ride. So I appreciate you sharing yeah. that. Miley, um, I just want to thank you so much for sharing yourself so openly and freely today. Are there any, is there anything final that you'd like to share, uh, before we, before we call it a, call it a go here? Eights are the best. What can I say? There you go. Eights are the best. Eights are the best. What can I say? No, it's delving. Don't be afraid to delve into yourself and really be honest with yourself. That's if if you truly want to do the Enneagram and do it correctly. Mm -hmm. Don't you, you can't, you can't say, Oh, I'm not going to think about it this way. You Mm -hmm. have to look at everything with objective lenses and you can't hide. You, You can't, you just, you have to be completely honest. Yeah. Well, I thank you for your honesty. I thank you for your work. It is, um, it's a joy to know you, Miley. So thank you. Uh, Maybe you'd be up for a return visit in the future. We'll dig even a little deeper into all this stuff. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right. Well, Miley, thank you so much. And we will see you again soon. All right. Thank you. All right. We hope you are taking away a new learning or insight today. Maybe about yourself someone in your life, or both? If so, time well spent. And if you are ready to explore this work on a more personal level, I invite you to be in touch. Visit us on the web at forwardbound.com. That's F-O-U-R-W-A-R-D-B-O-U-N-D.com. There you can learn more about our coaching and Enneagram education work and schedule yourself for a free-of-charge discovery call. Finally, we look forward to welcoming you back for another episode of Forward Bound with the Enneagram very soon. Again, thanks for spending this time with us. Be well.